Shalom to all. Today's Daf Shabbos Daf Kuf Yudal. We're starting Kuf Yud Gimel based on the bottom, the middle of the line. Today's year sponsored Leilu Nishmas Reb Chaim Yishai Ben Rabbi Avram Yehuda. His Neshama should have an Aliyah. The Gemara was talking about the importance of changing from weekly clothing into Shabbos clothing, and on that note, the Gemara says Omer Vacha Baraba Omer Biyechanon Kuf Yudal Omer Alf on the top. Minayin Lishin Begadim in Atayra. How do we know that sometimes it's important to change clothing? A source from the Tayra. Shemar says in the pasuk Upashas Begadav Velavash Begadam Acherim, and he takes off his clothing and wears other clothing, referring to the Kain that was doing Shumas Hadash and taking the ashes off of the Mizbeach. This was less Kaddish of an Avaidah, so therefore he wore less Chash of clothing. He would change out of his Big Dekuna and change into less Chash of Big Dekuna. The Torah is teaching us the proper way of acting. The clothing that a person wore while he was cooking a dish for his master, he shouldn't pour a cup of wine for his master, talking about clearing the Chumas Hadashen and doing Nisa and pouring the wine in the Mizbeach. He should wear different clothing. It's a disgrace for Talmud Chacham to go out with patched shoes out to the marketplace. He went out with patched shoes. The Isra is going out with patches on top of patches. But if you only have one patch on your shoe, then it's okay. Any Talmud Chacham that has a grease stain on his clothing. All those that hate me love death. Don't say it as those that hate me, Ella Masni I, those that cause others to hate me, that's talking about the Talmud Chacham himself, causes people to hate him. When he goes out with dirty clothing, people learn not to respect the Torah and those that represent it, so is Chayv Misa. Ravina Marvina says, Ravad Itmar, this is talking about a stain of semen on his clothing. Vlay Pligian, they're not arguing. Habiglima, one is talking about the outer cloak, then that's a problem to have even a grease stain. Habalavusha, one is talking about the inner shirt, that's a problem even if there's semen on it. Ram Rabchia Baraba Amr Abyechran, my Dachsev, what's Pshat on the Pasuk? Kasher Halach Avdi just like my servant Yishayo Hanavi went, Arum v'yachev, unclothed and without shoes. HaKadosh Baruch Hu had told Yishayo Hanavi to go around for three years unclothed and barefoot. Now what does that mean? It means, Arum v'begadim belu, it means he was unclothed, he was wearing worn out clothing. V'yachev v'mnalam hamitulayim, he was barefoot wearing patched shoes. And if not for the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him he has to do this, he obviously would never do that. Tanan Hasam, we have a mission over there that teaches us halacha of chatzitza. An item that became tamay need to be immersed in a mikvah must be completely submerged in the water. If something's touching it, preventing water from accessing all of its parts, that's called chatzitza. A separation. Now, only something that a person is mockbit about, he doesn't want it there, is considered a chatzitza. So, as Mishnah says, if there's a grease stain on the saddle cloth of a donkey, that's going to be chatzitza, people are mockbit about it. It has to be the size of an Italian iser, which is the size of a coin. If it's on a person's clothing, then if it's seen through one side, then it's not going to be chatzitza. But if it's seen on both sides of the clothing, it's such a deep stain, it penetrated the entire thickness of the clothing. Chaitzitz, that's considered chatzitzah. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Mishum, Rabbi Shmuel, he says, Af mitzad echad chaitzitz, even if it's only recognizable on one side of the clothing, it's still going to be chatzitzah. Bamine Rabbi Shimon, Lakesh, Mir Chanina. Mir das mitzad echad mishnitzadin. What about the saddlecloth and it has a grease stain on it? Is that considered chatzitzah when it's only on one side or needs to be both sides? Amrle, he said, Zula shamati. This I never heard an answer to. Kiyotzi ba shamati, but I have heard an answer to a similar question. Dinan, we have a Mishnah. Rabbi Yisyamir, he says, Shal banoim, clothing of banoim mitzad echad, if it has a stain on one side, that's a chatzitza v'shel bor if it's an uncouth person in Amaaret mishneitz dadin then it's only going to be chatzitza if it's seen on both sides of the clothing v'leitemer das chashuv b'gadav shel Amaaret and a saddle cloth shouldn't be considered more chashuv than the bag of Amaaret if Amaaret is only considered a stain if it's on both sides of the clothing so too emir das and now the whole point of bringing this is for the following my banayim what does it mean the clothing of banayim 
They're involved in the building of the world their entire life, so they're banaim, they're builders. What type of Tamil is it that we're going to return his lost object to him just by simply recognizing it? Now, usually, if a person wants to receive his lost object back, he either has to bring Adim, witnesses that this belongs to him, or he has to give a semen, some sort of recognizable sign that it's his. A Tamil Chacham is able to get it back even just by saying that he recognized that it's his even without a sign. What type of Tamil Chacham is this? This is one that's particular that he's not going to wear his clothing inside out. What type of Tamil Chacham are we going to appoint as a leader over the congregation? You can ask him in any place, and he's going to give you an answer. Even in Mesechus Kala, there's a grouping of small Mesechus called Mesechus Ketanos that most people don't learn. Mesechus Kala isn't very complicated, it's just that most people don't learn it. And if he can answer a question for you in that also, then he could be appointed as a Rav over everyone. What's the definition of a Tamil Chacham that the people of a city have to do his work for him, meaning they have to help support him? He puts his own interest to the side, and he only involves himself in the Chafetzim of Shemaim and what Hashem wants. It's only the Mitzach Berifte. People have to work to provide him with his bread, meaning his basic necessities, but not luxuries. And from Rabbi Yechanan, what's considered Tamrachacham? You can ask him Allah in any place, and it'll give you the answer. What's an Afkamina to tell me that? We just told us that previously. We say, if we want to appoint him as a Rav over the Tibur. If he knows and can answer you questions in one Mesechta, meaning in one topic, so then he could be the Rav in his place where he is. If he knows everything, he knows all of Shas and Paiskim, Barish Masifta, then he could be the Rosh Hashiva. And now back to his word Banayim that we had said, the clothing of Banayim, if they have a stain on one side, then that's going to be considered Chatzitza. Rabbi Shem ben Lakashamar, he says, Elu Kalim Ha'ul Yorin Ha'boyim These are the clothing of the bathhouse attendants that are brought from Mimdina Sayyam, they're brought overseas. The Gemara says, Lamemar the Chirunin, or you can tell me that they're white, and that's why a stain is recognizable on them. Vamrulu Rabbiana Labanov. Rabbiana told his children, Banai, my children, Atik Bruni, don't bury me. Not in burial shrouds that are white or black. Levanim don't bury me in white burial shrouds. Shemalai Eska. Perhaps I'm not going to be Zaycha and merit to go to Gan Eden. And then I'm going to be like a Chasan who's wearing white clothing amongst the mourners who are in black. Shchayrim, don't bury me in black clothing. Shema Eska. Perhaps I will be Zaycha to go to Gan Eden. And then I'm going to be like a mourner among the Chasanim. I'm going to be the only one in Gan Eden wearing black. Ella, what should you bury me in? He said to his children, These are the bathhouse attendants' clothing that come from overseas. Alma, we see Sumkinenu, that these are colored clothing and not white clothing. We say, like, Kasha, not a problem. One is when it's the outer cloak, then that's going to be colored. Habalavushi, when it's the regular clothing like shirt or pants that a person wears, that's going to be white. And now back to our Mishnah. Both Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva agree that when Yom Kippur falls out on Erev Shabbos, the fats of the Karbanis from Yom Kippur are not allowed to be brought on the Mizbeach on Shabbos. They argued when Yom Kippur fell out on Matzah Shabbos. Rabbi Shmuel holds that the fats of Shabbos Karbanis may be brought on Yom Kippur, whereas Rabbi Kiva holds that they may not. And now exactly what's the source of their Machlaikis? The Gemara says, Tan Rabbanan. We have a Pasuk, Oilas Shabbos B'Shabbatoi. The oil of Shabbos must be brought on its Shabbos. Limi, this teaches us, Al-Chilvei Shabbos, the Chalavim, the fats of the Korbanos of Shabbos, Shekriven B'Yom Kippurim, they could be brought on Yom Kippur when Yom Kippur falls out on Matzah Shabbos. The reason why is because this Pasuk is completely extra. We've already had a previous Pasuk that tells us that we have to bring the oil of Shabbos. So this whole Pasuk is extra. So the Gemara says, okay, if so, Yachal Afshal Yom Kippurim Shabbos, then maybe I should be allowed to bring the fats of the Korbanos that were brought on Yom Kippur. If Yom Kippur falls on an Arab Shabbos, I should be allowed to bring them on Shabbos. So the Gemara says, no, Tamil it's only allowed to be brought on its Shabbos, so we only include 
one thing, that's when Matzah Shabbos is Yom Kippur. Divir Rabbi Shmuel, that's Rabbi Shmuel's opinion. Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Kiva says, no. Ayla Shabbos b'Shabbatay. What does that teach us? Limit al chalve Shabbos shekriven b'Yantif. They could be brought on Yantif when Yantif falls out on Matzah Shabbos. Yachol, you might think after Yom Kippurim, you could even bring them on Yom Kippur when Yom Kippur falls out on Matzah Shabbos. Tamalamer, no b'Shabbatay only on Itz Shabbos. And now we do a little bit further analyzation of this. There's machlekes whether or not on Yantif one's allowed to bring Nedarim and Nedavis karbanis that were either promised or that he simply donated that he was going to bring in the Beis HaMikdash. Now, a reason not to allow this is because these karbonos can be brought after Yantif. There would be completely unnecessary to do so on Yantif. Rabbi Shmuel holds you're allowed to bring the Dharma and Adavas, and Rabbi Kiva says that you're not allowed to bring them. And the Gemara says, Kishetim Tzolayim Relative Rabbi Shmuel, when we delve deeper into Rabbi Shmuel's understanding that Nedarim and Adavas craven be Yantif, that Nedarim and Adavas could be brought on Yantif, so that means that if I'm allowed to bring something that's completely unnecessary, I'm still allowed to bring it on Yantif, so that, that means that the karbonos that were shechted on Shabbos, and it was completely necessary to shechtem on Shabbos, for sure we're allowed to bring their fats on Matzah Shabbos if it's Yantif. So therefore, continues the Gemara V'chi, then that means when I have a Pasuk that's including something, that means it's including that I'm allowed to bring the fats of the Shabbos Karbanas even when Yom Kippur's on Matzah Shabbos. And Lediv Rabbi Kiva, according to Rabbi Kiva, that Nedarim and Adamas ain't craving Yantif. You're not allowed to bring something that's unnecessary on Yantif, and then when I have this Pasuk, that's going to be some sort of inclusionary Pasuk, that means it's permitting me to bring the fats of the karbonus that were brought on Shabbos, I'm allowed to bring them on Yontif, but not extending that to Yom Kippur. And Amr Abzer Abzer says, When I was in Bavel, before I made my way up to Eretz Yisrael, Hava Amri, I would say, Hadatani, that which it says in the Brasser, Yom Kippur that falls on an Erev Shabbos, they wouldn't blow the shofar in the base of Mikdash. There were six shofar blasts that were blown on Erev Shabbos to remind people to stop doing work and that Shabbos was coming. And there was no reason to do this when Yom Kippur was Erev Shabbos because you're not allowed to do Malach on Yom Kippur anyway. And we might say Shabbos, and I might say Shabbos, they wouldn't do Havdalah when Matzah Shabbos was Yom Kippur because we're going to do Havdalah on Matzah Yom Kippur. So I said that that Brisa was, according to everyone, there was no Machlaikas in that Brisa. But Kisalikin al when I went there, when I went there to Israel, I found Yehuda, the son of Reb Shimon Pazi, the Yosef Akamar, he was sitting and saying, Rebbe Kivahi, that Brisa is actually Rebbe Kiva. The Rebbe Shmuel, if that Brisa was Rebbe Shmuel, Kivah the Amar, since Rebbe Shmuel holds Chalva Shabbos Kriven Yom Kippur, that the fats of Shabbos could be brought in Yom Kippur when it's Matzah Shabbos. So Liska, so according to Rabbi Shmuel, you should blow the shofar on Yom Kippur when it falls on an Erev Shabbos. Why would I do so? In order to notify people that the fats of Shabbos are allowed to be brought on Yom Kippur, but the fats of Yom Kippur are not allowed to be brought on Shabbos. So we have to notify the Kahanim that they're not allowed to bring the fats of Yom Kippur Karbanis on Shabbos. I told him, the Kahanim are conscientious. They don't need to be warned. They know when they're allowed to bring the fats and when they're not allowed to. And Amrle Markashisha, brother of Chisler Ravashi, Rakashisha, son of Rav Chizda, told Ravashi, Are the Kahanim really conscientious and they know exactly when to do the Malacha? But tonight we have a Mishnah. The first three Takiyas that were blown in the Beis HaMikdash were to stop the people from doing Malacha. The next three were to differentiate between weekday and Shabbos. And we're assuming right now that the reason why we're blowing these Takiyas is to stop the Kahanim from doing Avaid in the Beis HaMikdash. So we see the Kahanim are not Zrizin and they do need to be reminded when they're allowed to do Malacha. The Gemara says, No, Rabbi, it's like Abaya said in a different place, Lashar Amadi Yerushalayim, that it is for other people in Yerushalayim. We're going to explain what that it is in a second. Hachanami, so to hear, Lashar Amadi Yerushalayim, that the Kiyas are really for everyone else in Yerushalayim, and they're not for the Kaihanim. Now, the Mishnah in Yoma tells us that Helena Malka placed a golden candelabra on the Heichal, and when the sun rose in the morning, its rays bounced off of this candelabra, and everyone knew that it was time for Kriyashma. Now, the Gemara quotes a Brisa that the Kaihanim said Shema before the sun rose anyway, and if so, what benefit did this candelabra 
ever have to the Kaihanim. So Abai answered that it was for Shar Amab Yerushalayim that the whole purpose of this candelabra in the base of Mikdash was really for everyone else in Yerushalayim to know when to say Kriyashma. But now the Gemara continues asking, hold on one second, Veliska, we should still blow the Shaifer on Yom Kippur when it falls out on Erev Shabbos, Ki in order to notify people that trimming vegetables is permitted from Mincha and onwards. On a standard Yom Kippur, when it's not on Erev Shabbos, from Mincha and onwards, people are allowed to take their vegetables that they're going to end up eating on Motzi Yom Kippur, and they're allowed to trim off all the dead and moldy leaves from them. This is just to help them stave off their hunger and help them get through the fast a little bit easier. So we should blow the shofar on Yom Kippur when it falls on an Erev Shabbos to remind people of this concept. The Gemara says, no, Amrav Yosef, we're not going to push away a shvus, which is a derabanon, in order to permit something. Here you're trying to permit the kinivas yerek, the trimming of the vegetables. We don't push away a shvus, which is blowing shoifer on Yom Kippur, in order to permit something. Rav Shisha Breder of Omar, he says, no, shvus kreivahitiru, we will push away a shvus, a derabanon, if it's something that's relevant and practical, but shvus we didn't permit a shvus that's very far off. And this blowing of shoifer would be pushing away a shvus that's very far off. In this specific case, we're talking about a year where Yom Kippur fell out on Erev Shabbos. And that means that on Matzah Yom Kippur, which is Shabbos, you wouldn't be allowed to cook these vegetables that you're trimming anyway. So that's considered a shvus rochek. You're going to be blowing a shoifer on a year that you're not able to trim your vegetables anyway to remind yourself that there are years that you are able to trim your vegetables. That's too rochek minadas. That's too far away. And that's why we're not going to blow the shoifer on such a year. The Gemara says, hold on one second. Shvus We will push away a shvus for something that's karay, for something that's very relevant and practical. But tonight we have a Mishnah. Yantav Shchaliyas Erev Shabbos. Yantav falls on Erev Shabbos. Taikin Dilan. They would do the Tekiyas in the base of Mikdash on Erev Shabbos, but they wouldn't do Havdalah on Matzah Yantav to Shabbos. Matzah Shabbos, if Yantav fell out on Matzah Shabbos, Mavdilan, so they would do Havdalah, Veloy Taikin, and they wouldn't blow the Shoifer on Yantif itself. And the Gemara says, Va'amai, we should blow the shayfar on Yantif when it falls on a Matzah Shabbos. Ki alter. In order to notify people that now it's Matzah Shabbos, meaning it's Yantif, and you're allowed to be involved in shechting animals for Yantif. And from the fact that we don't allow shayfar blowing on Yantif to tell people that right now you're allowed to shecht, that's a Shvus Kreiva, that's relevant right now. We see that even a Shvus Kreiva is not Mutter. El Machmartik Rabbi Yosef, the answer is like Rabbi Yosef, that we never push away a Shvus in order to permit something, only to prohibit something something, only tell people that they're not allowed to do malacha, but not that they are allowed to do something. And now, once we mentioned vegetable trimming, Amrav Zera, Amrav Huna, V'amrila, and some say it was Amrav Abba, Amrav Huna, Yom Kippur Shechaliyos B'Shabbos, Yom Kippur falls in on Shabbos itself. Asr B'Kinim Vaziyarek, one may not trim vegetables. Since it's Shabbos, we're going to have this added Isra of preparing from Shabbos to weekday, and we're not going to allow one to do so. And Amrav Manor of Manor says, Tana, we have a brisa. Menan Yom Kippur Shechaliyos B'Shabbos, Shabbos B'Kinim Vaziyarek, how do we know that when Yom Kippur falls in on Shabbos, the one may not trim the vegetables? And what do we learn from this word Shabbosoin? Shavos. It means you shall rest. It's like an extra strong word of resting. Lamai, what's it telling me? Elaim if it's saying Lamalacha that I have to rest from doing Malacha. Look, Siv, we have a different Pasuk that says, You shouldn't do any work. This is referring to Shabbos and Yom Kippur. It must be talking about Knivas Yerek trimming the vegetables, something that's usually Mutter on Yom Kippur. Now the Yom Kippur falls in on Shabbos, we have this word Shabbosoin that tells us even that we're not allowed to do. Shema no, we have a proof from a Braiso. And Amrav Chibrabah, Amrav Yom Kippur falls in on Shabbos. Is mutter b'knivas yerek. 
a person is allowed to trim the vegetables. The Gemara says, Meisvei, I have a steer from a brisa that we just said. How do we know the Yom Kippur falls on Shabbos that you're not allowed to trim vegetables? Tamar Lemer says, Shabbosoyin, Shabbos, which means we have to rest. Lamai, what's that for? Even if you can say Malacha, it's telling us that you're not allowed to do work. Vaksivit already says in the Pasuk, a person is not allowed to do any work. El Lav Bekinivis Yarek. It must be it's telling us that one may not even trim the vegetables on Yom Kippur that falls in on Shabbos. The Gemara says, Lai, Lai Lamal Malacha. That brisa is actually telling us you're not allowed to do actual Malacha. And what's the additional iser? The Chiddush is telling us that not only is a person going to be over of but also an asay of not doing work. And the Gemara continues, We have a breast like Rabbi Yechanan that tells us you're allowed to do Kenivas Yarek on Yom Kippur that falls in on Shabbos. Yom Kippur that falls in on Shabbos, on the top. One may trim the vegetables, skip the parentheses, one may crack nuts, and break open the pomegranates, from Minchen onwards, in order to intensify his feeling of distress of the fast. The Be'er Behuda, Makanvi Karba, the household of Rabbi Huda was trimming cabbage, and the Be'er Rabba, the household of Rabba was Gardi Kari, they were scraping pumpkins. Kivin the Chaza, the Hava Komacharfi, since Rabba saw that they were actually doing it too early, it was before Mincha, Amrlehu, Rabba told his household, Asi Garti Marava, a letter came from Marava, Mishmed Rabbi Yechanan, name Rabbi Yechanan, the Asir, that says that it's completely Asir to do any sort of Kinivas Yarek on Yom Kippur. Even after Mincha, the reason why he said this, even though Rabbi Yechen doesn't really hold it, is because he knew that they wouldn't listen to him if he made this blanket iser, no doing Kinivas Yerik on Yom Kippur. So he hung it on Rabbi Yechenon. Really, he just wanted to prevent them from doing the iser. Hajan Allah Ve'iluk Sharem, Mazel Tov for finishing yet another parak. We should be zeichel to finish all of Masechus Shabbos and all of Shas together. And just to go into the next parak a little bit, Kol Kisve all holy scriptures, that's Tanakh, Tarnavim, Ksuvim, Matzilin, Oisim, Pnei Adleka. One may save them from a fire on Shabbos, and we will delve into this Mishnah further tomorrow. Everyone should have a wonderful day.